Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of the Baseball America Prospect Handbook Podcast. Now that the Prospect Handbook's done, a little happy to say that, um, we do want to remind you we're going to be doing our AL Central Draft today. Me and Matt Eddy, JJ Cooper here. Matt Eddy, we've been doing this. For all the divisions, we have uh, this and one more to go, so we have a, a pretty stacked teams at this point. But before we jump into that, I do want to remind you that the 2014 Baseball America books are available. You can get the 2014 Almanac right now, which is basically the entire story of baseball in 2013, big league level, minor league level, colleges, high schools, internationally, pretty much if it happened in baseball last year, we, we tell you about it. We also have, as we just mentioned, coming up really soon now, the Baseball America Prospect Handbook. We should be getting our hands on those really, really in the uh, in the very near foreseeable future. We'll be shipping those out very soon. If you order it now from Baseball America, you can call 1-800-845-2726 or go to baseballamerica.com slash store. If you order from Baseball America, you'll get it first. And also, if you order from Baseball America, you get the supplement where you get an additional prospect for every team. So, which I always go look, looking back in the 31st prospects. There's always a guy, you go, no, Justin Ruggiano one year. It's like, oh, Justin Ruggiano was a 31st prospect. Who's your best number 31 from your time of ranking? Because oh. I, I think back to just the book before, I had Juan Lagares as the Mets number 31. Yeah. And due to some injuries to Colin Calgill and Kirk Neuenhoofs, and uh, Matt Dendecker, Lagaris ended up being the Mets center fielder last year. Really good defensive center fielder, too. For um, half season, yeah. Um, I think, if I remember correctly, Sam LeCure may have been a uh, yeah. a 31st prospect for me for one year, which, you know, a, a very solid reliever now for the Reds. That's, I mean, again, that's off the top of my head without checking it, but I think that's one. So He's got a longer track record than Lagaris. Right, you know, but he's not going to be an everyday regular like Lagaris will, barring uh, uh, more signings or whatever. But... With little, you know, we want to jump into this because we do enjoy doing this. Matt has the first pick in the Central. Means I get the first pick in the West, mm-hmm. so I get the last first pick. But Matt gets the first pick in the Central. Kind of know which way he's going here, I think. As we'll remind you of the rules. Number one prospects are off the board. We're trying to dive a little deeper here. Um, looking, we we always do look at this. If you look at the Central's number ones, they the majority of them will be moving, going very quickly. Um, we've got, you know, the number ones are the White Sox have Jose Abreu, the Indians have Francisco Lindor, the Tigers have Nick Castellanos, the Royals have Kyle Zimmer, the Twins have Byron Buxton. Yeah, all those guys would be going in the top six, seven, eight picks of of this draft. Uh, Byron Buxton would be going number one overall if he was available, I think it's fair to say. But, so with that, we also have one addendum this time, though. Addendum. Matt Davidson, who is on the, you know, who did make one of these lists, uh, he's the uh, number four prospect on the White Sox list. Not available in this draft, though, because Matt Davidson is already a member of Matt Eddy's uh, fictional team here. As a Diamondback. He, as a Diamondback, he drafted him, <laughs> and then he was traded. So, no, in our rules for this, Matt Davidson still does, is still a uh, part of Matt Eddy's team, so I, I cannot swipe him uh, at this point. <laughs> 
but with that kind of clear up to uh, kind of jump in, Matt, go ahead and pick uh, well, pick who I know you're going to take. Well, I had to sit idly by during the NL Central when you took another power hitting third baseman, Chris Bryant. Uh, so this time I'm going to take Miguel Sano, a little farther ahead develop, developmental wise than Bryant, but they probably will get to a similar area eventually. 80, 80 raw power, power yeah, massive, 90 raw power. Massive power. You know, will he hit enough? Pro- probably enough to, to uh, hold down a job, I would say. I, I think so, too. Uh, Athletic I, enough to play third as a young man. Great arm, and, you know, <laughs> big big guy, but an athletic big guy. Um, yeah. You know, the great arm, the one thing question with the great arm is is that uh, the great arm has had some injuries with that arm. You know, he's had some mm-hmm. injuries with that arm. Like, there is questions, okay, is the elbow, the twins himself have said, we'll have a better idea once spring training starts, because... We won't know until then how his arm responds to day two and day three, you know, of, of regular work. Because he injured himself in the Dominican League. Right. So, you know, he's got a, he's got an elbow issue. But that may have cleared up, may have not have. Whatever it is, long term, it's not a, a, a really big factor for him, I don't think. You've got Sano. Still got some good guys to choose from here, though. Yeah. I, I'm pretty happy. Number, my first pick of this draft, uh, of this round of the draft, I should say, is I'm going to take Jordan Aventura. Uh, Royals number two prospect. Really, when I was doing the Royals list, it was a uh, a pretty tough debate between him and uh, and Kyle Zimmer at number one. And in the end, Zimmer ended up being number one more than anything because he does it more conventionally. It's a lot easier to point to a whole lot of guys Zimmer-like who've ended up being ace starters, which is the ceiling for both these guys. Ventura is a pretty unique guy. Um, there aren't a whole lot of, of five foot eleven right-handers who throw. 100 miles an hour as a starter. He is really pretty much, a, I think, almost a, a class of one. I guess Carlos Martinez may make it two. But I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head who really fits into that. Um, and, you know, he, he's got absolutely premium velocity. He does have a really good breaking ball, too. His changeup's gotten better. His changeup really showed it was better at the end of last year, has showed some fade at the end of last year during the season. Early in the season, it was really kind of just a straight change. It was really a clear third pitch. Uh, I, again, if he was... Six foot three, no one would be saying that he might be a reliever. Mm-hmm. Control needs to get a little better, but it's never been a, a massive problem. I don't really – I see him as a starter because you're, you're talking about a guy who's shown pretty solid durability. He doesn't have a whole lot of trips to the DL on his, you know, on his, uh, you know, uh, resume. He has shown that he can carry velocity in the games pretty well. And the, the reality is, is that he was throwing 100 miles an hour consistently in September in a pennant race – at the very end of the season, this isn't a guy who wore down and you go, wow, he just can't maintain that. Yeah, tell me some of the, the fun pitch effect stuff you found with him. Because he, he averaged 97.1, according to pitch effects, right. his fastball. He, he averaged 97.1, which I, I believe was not only the best among rookie starters, but was right there, may have been the best among all starters last year. And in the past, the uh, Royals gun has been thought of as a little hot. Mm-hmm. But I think they have actually gotten a little more calibrated lately to where that's not really the, as much of the issue. And... Uh, he threw last year, I, I don't want to get the decimal right because I might get it wrong, but it's over 102 miles an hour in, in his first start as a starter, which was the fastest regular pit season pitch by a starting pitcher in the pitch effects era. So when we say that this guy has top-of-the-scale velocity, it is truly top-of-the-scale velocity. You can see relievers who throw that hard occasionally. You don't see starters who throw that hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now back to Matt. Again, it's a, it's a pretty solid group of guys to choose from here. 
Yeah, uh, with my second pick, I'm taking Eric Johnson, the White Sox, number two. Uh, and Don Cooper we trust here. Good, 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 a good motto to have. He, uh, having ranked the Southern League prospects, he gained a lot of attention from scouts. It's a very durable uh, frame. He's a strike thrower. He has three major league pitches, including uh, potentially a double-plus slider, which uh, tops out at about, I'll jot this down, it's averaged uh, 88 miles per hour last year, which is the, uh, actually the third highest. That's the power slider. The third highest from a right-handed rookie behind only Taiwan Walker and Chad Bettis. So I I trust in that that slider, that ability to throw strikes, and the changeup has come a long way. So he's he's my guy. I'm glad you took him. I want. I will take. Uh, I'm going back to another royal here. Another royal. I'm going to take Royals number three prospect Raul Alberto Mondesi. Went by Alberto for a while. Now he goes by Raul. He's not Raul Jr. Raul Jr. is his brother. <laughs> um, but Raul Mondesi, who it, he's a guy who a year from now, if you told me he's a top ten prospect in the game, wouldn't be surprised at all. Now he has right now a lot of it is still based on projection. He had a very I think when you say that a guy who played most of the year as a 17-year-old in the Saturday League last year, he had a very solid season last year. It had its spectacular moments, and it's you know he had he had a game where he hit two home runs. He had a game where he hit for the cycle. He also had a game where he struck out six times in a game. <laughs> you saw some of the good and the bad, but the reason that I think he could end up being a truly top of the top of the scale prospect is you're seeing speed, switch hitter. Who should hit for average? You know, should hit for both sides of the plate. Has some pop in there already. You know, seven home runs, seven triples last year. I think you're going to see more, obviously, as he fills out. And I think there's no real question he's going to be able to stay at shortstop. You put it all together. Really, what you want to see from him is kind of the normal maturation. Struck out a lot last year mm-hmm. as a again a 17 year old in the Valley League, but held his own. You know, he goes. He's going to go to a tough hitters park this year in Wilmington, but. If he takes another step forward, if he has even a, uh, a, a slightly above average year this year as an 18-year-old in the in, in in the Carolina League, I wouldn't be shocked at all to say he see him in the Texas League at the end of the year as an eight, as a turning 19-year-old. Um, you know, there could be something. How different is he from someone like Lindor or the Indians, another switch hitter who's playing in the same leagues? Um, I do think that. He actually, tools-wise, if you graded all the tools out, they might even be, I think he may be a little faster than Lindor. I think Lindor, Lindor is a safer guy from the standpoint of everyone who sees Lindor is like, yeah, I mean, this guy is going to be just one of the best shortstops in the league for a long time. Has that feel that, you know, instincts is overused a lot, but, but Lindor has an understanding of where he is on the field at all times. He understands the game very well. I think Lindor's a guy is also going to you're going to see more power develop as he uh, kind of you know as he, as he does fill out. But I think it's always going to be gap power for Lindor. I, I mean, I guess one way you could put it, Lindor had two home runs this year. Uh, Mondesi had seven. Mondesi's you know significantly younger than him. I, I do think Lindor's game is always going to be more doubles and you know than, than home runs. I think. With Mondesi, you're going to see 10 to 15 home runs on a pretty consistent basis. Uh, I see Lindor more of as kind of being a uh, a better hitting. I don't know if he has this, but a better hitting Elvis Andrus. Mm-hmm. I mean, where you know, but again, it's going to be a top of the order type guy. I think Mondesi could be a top of the order, or he could mature when it's all said and done into more of a middle of the order guy. Back to you. Okay. <laughs> 
Uh, I am with my third pick. I'm taking Indians number two, Clint Frazier, our uh, high school player of the year, uh, potential big bat outfielder. He's got a lot to prove. He's got to cut down the strikeouts, but uh, the tools potential is immense. I think he could be like Lin- like Mondesi. He could be moving way up list next right. year. I, I you know I would have probably that's that's probably the direction I was going to be going if you I, had not. I taken felt him. confident you would take your Royals first. So I could let yes. Frazier slip to the third pick. Yes, I, I think you you, you gained that pretty well. Um, going back. I, with with him, the the thing that just jumps out is, is again you're you're getting upside there, but you're getting upside. The track record on high school outfielders nowadays, I do think, is a little safer than it was say 20 years ago. Partly because we see, I mean, showcases. There's many good things and many bad things, but Clint Frazier, it's not something where he got to pro ball and went, "Whoa, this is what <laughs> it's like to face you know a, a guy with premium velocity." That's just kind of a normal part of of the the high, top. High school prospect uh, experience now. Yeah, I mean, as, as far as a high school position player goes, he's, he's pretty safe. He's in the same group with Meadows and guys like that. Going back to me, I'm going Twins. I'm going Twins. And I really have to battle back and forth. Do I want Alex Meyer and Cole Stewart? You know, uh, uh, I'm going to go Alex Meyer, though. I will stay with the order. Alex Meyer is the number three prospect in the twin system. I don't think, I think you have to say that because, I mean, he's, you're talking about a guy who's got the double A, whereas Cole Stewart is is just so far away. Mm-hmm. Meyer is a, a guy who six foot nine guys. The track record it, it's a it's a scary one because there are a lot of guys who who never really kind of figured out with that kind of height. It's just hard to maintain the delivery. That being said, premium stuff. He had solid control. I don't think it's ever going to be you know. It's never going to be Maddox or anything like that, but I do think that he's going to throw easily enough strikes. It's it's swing and miss stuff, so I'll happily add him to uh, my uh, rotation that will never actually throw a pitch. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll stay with the Twins and just take the next guy down the line, uh, Cole Stewart. Well, I think I kind of telegraphed. <laughs> if you didn't take him, I was going there next. Uh, you know, you got the 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 tall Texas right-hander out of high school. You know, he pretty much checks all the boxes for the, this type of pitcher, from Tyone to Beckett. You know, he has that kind of potential. And it's got a pretty good track record when you talk about this kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the high school, yeah, it, it's a pretty good track record. Throws a ton of strikes, but at least he did in rookie ball, and I, I'd expect that to continue. He's, he's one of the more attractive teen right-handers. Yeah, I, I agree. I was going that way. And I will stay with uh, high upside. Um you know, it's the White Sox, so I don't know how quickly they'll move him. Uh, may, you know, he may be in double A by the end of the year. <laughs> by the time you know, he finished reading by, this. But, yeah, but Tim Anderson. I'm going to go <laughs> Tim Anderson, who um, jumped straight to Kannapolis last year and was okay. Not great, not terrible, mm-hmm. um, but showed a lot of tools. You know, again, top of the order guy. Uh, I'm going to have a lot of shortstops on my team, it looks like. Uh, but <laughs> but Anderson, Anderson, Anderson's a fascinating story to me because you were talking about a guy who went undrafted out of high school. And a year later was a first-round pick out of JUCO. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's the guy who was, I, you have to say, I know he developed, but that also was a guy who was overlooked in some way. I mean, you know, a year of junior college was is helpful, but at the same time, um, that, that was a guy who was a little bit missed because the tools were there before. So, I, you know, again, he's a good ways away, but, you know, the, it's the White Sox. They're going to move him quick. They move everyone <laughs> quick. So... I'll take Anderson. Okay. Let's see. It's a little tougher now. It is a little dicier now. Uh, I think I'm going to atone for a, a past mistake and take uh, Royals right fielder Jorge Bonifacio, their number four prospect. Okay. I uh, 
I'm the idiot who didn't rank him in the Appy League <laughs> in 2011. So, you know, I think part of the reason was his the ballpark in Burlington really disguised his power because he, he tends to, to hit power to right center field. Mm-hmm. And that's a legit park. And it's really hard to hit it out unless you pull the ball down the line. So, you know, he, he tended to hit more doubles than home runs there. But And, it, and that, that trend has kind of continued at Wilmington, another tough home run park. I, but the raw power is legit. He has raw power. I do always wonder. I think I look at him and... To use a Royals analogy, I do think of his swing as very Billy Butler-like in mm-hmm. that Billy Butler has only had, you know, Billy Butler for the majority of his career is a 15 to 20 home run guy. Mm-hmm. Even though when you look at Billy Butler, you think of him as, you know, a potential 30 home run guy. And I think a lot of that is is that that swing is just much, you just talked about it. With, with Bonifacio, Bonifacio makes all of his money. He's happiest when he lines the ball to that opposite field gap. And he does that really well. Mm-hmm. He's the Royals are working with him on trying to get him to turn on the ball a little bit more, but that's really not you know that's <laughs> that's not necessarily uh, ever been the big part of his game. And so really the question he does you know got a good good understanding of the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be fifteen to twenty home run power? And if it is with the doubles he has, he's going to be a very productive right fielder. Is it going to be something where he doesn't necessarily get into that that early? Then there's more of the question of, okay, he's still going to be a solid player. I yeah. mean, he's, he's already pretty well physically maxed out, so yes. there's not a ton of projection with this guy. I mean, it's, it's somewhat what you see, what you get. Now, I do think he had four home runs last year. He did have a Hammett bone injury last right. year, so that's, I think, below what you're going to see. But the, really the question of him is, is he going to be 5 to 10, 15 to 20, or 25 plus? Because raw power-wise, you see it in BP, this is a guy who could be a 25 home run guy. You don't see it in games. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to go... I'm staying with the Royals. Miguel Almonte, uh, number five prospect in the organization, right-hander, made it to the Futures game last year in his first, you know, full pro season. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty impressive, uh, kind of climb. It's solid stuff, but very and very polished. Uh, when you talk about a guy who doesn't have a whole lot of innings under his belt, went out last year, well above average changeup, um, you know, fastball that is easily more than uh, is enough now. You do kind of wonder, you'll see a, a 96, 97 at, at times. Much more likely you're going to see, if you go out there, you're going to see 91, 92, 93, maybe a 94. But there's, so there's some in there. It's really kind of a question of, is that something we're going to see long-term more consistently? Or is it what he is now? It, he doesn't really, the, the really also the big thing we need to see is, is his breaking ball. His breaking ball needs to take a step forward. The changeup has kind of been keeping him away from that in some ways because he had a nail injury last year. We weren't real comfortable throwing the breaking ball, and he loves his changeup. It works for him. When you have that much kind of success, if you throw a changeup, a good changeup in low A, you're going to carve up lineups because of that. He hasn't really. He needs to develop the breaking ball. Back to you. Okay, it's uh, dicier still. Uh, I think I'm going to take Devin Travis, Tigers number two, second baseman. Uh, hit 351 last year. Uh, you know, kind of does all the things you want a second baseman to do: hit for average, field the position adequately. And runs a little bit. So, n- not an exciting pick, but I need to build my infield depth on my fake team. And I think he's a, he's a, a good, as good a second base prospect as anybody. Okay. I do think, I mean, Devin Travis, we, a lot of it is, is he's a guy who, at the end of this year, I feel like we're going to know an awful lot about Devin Travis. If Devin Travis comes close to doing what he did last year, this year, this guy's legit. Mm-hmm. If Devin Travis moves up to double A this year and is, Average, there's going to be a lot more cause for concern because his, it, you're talking about a guy who 
the questions are there is like, okay, is he was he just so advanced that he was out overmatching less experienced pitchers, or is his modest tools? Is he a guy who just gets everything out of him, really understands the game, and because of that, ends up being more than what people expected when he came out of the draft? Is that would you consider mm-hmm. that a fair yeah. characterization? Yeah. But back to me, I'm staying with the Royals. Oh no, Shamanaya. You know, Shamanaya is is a guy who, if it had not been for an injury last year, I don't think I'd be able be able to pick him at this point in the draft. But he was hurt last year, had a hip problem, torn hip blame, uh, had to have surgery on his hip labrum, not shoulder labrum, hip labrum. Before that, he was, uh, one of the things that most impressive about him to me was is that he went 5-4, and 1.47 last year as a junior at Indiana State with the hip problem. His stuff backed up. But even with that, with less than his best stuff by far, I mean, he was 87, 88 a lot of times at times. Even with that, he still ranked fourth in the NCAA in strikeouts per nine. He still had a dominating year in many ways, even though he had a, a significant injury and he tried to pitch through it. Hip labrums, the, the track record on that's really very good. Um, Jason Vargas, in the big, you know, who's now on that Royals rotation, is another guy. Had hip labrum surgery in the offseason, came back from it, and really never, you never really... Noticed that he had, had missed any, you know, that it had been a problem for him. I, I think if he comes back full to what he was before the injury, you're talking about a guy who could be a front-end starter um, as a lefty. I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to get that at, at this point in this draft. I'm excited about Sean and I. Yeah, well, you're excited about all the Royals. I am, I am. Maybe I, I wrote the list, so <laughs> maybe it's a little biased. Okay. I, uh, I'm going to go back to the Twins and take Jose J.O. Barrios. I like that pick. Their number five prospect. Uh, a lot to prove. He, he only made 19 starts last year, you know. He's, but he's got fastball, breaking ball combo. You like, uh, just not the track record of some of these other guys. But no, he explosive really explosive stuff. Explosive stuff. Knows how to pitch. Uh, I I think that's a very safe pick for when you consider a, a guy who's just pitching low A. That's about as safe as a low A pick gets. Mm-hmm. I'm I, I, I'm sounding like a homer here, and I'm not. <laughs> but I I do think the Royals had a very deep top ten. I'm going back to the Royals again. Hunter Dozier, who had a uh, a very impressive debut last year, um, very weird debut in some ways. Went to Idaho Falls, lit it up at Idaho Falls, three hundred three, four hundred three, five hundred nine. Promoted to Lexington, hit very well there, and then because Lexington Lexington wasn't going to be in the playoffs, and Idaho Falls was demoted back to Idaho Falls at the end of the year and played with them through the playoffs. Um, really, a, a good bat third baseman. There was some question coming out of the draft, like. He was a shortstop in college. Wasn't going to be shortstop. Was he going to be a second baseman? Was he going to be a corner outfielder? Was he going to be a third baseman? Third baseman does seem like a, a pretty solid fit for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, walked more than you know walked as much as he struck out last year. Again, he was advanced for the levels he was in, but really good understanding the strike zone. Hits for average. Hits for power. Uh, a pretty polished guy. Okay, back uh, to you. How many picks are we taking here? Um, I, I, I was going to say I think. Well, I'd say let's. We'll, we we have taken someone from every team now, have we not? Yeah. So we don't have our rule of we have to take <laughs> someone from somebody. The Tigers would probably have been that organization. And we did just take Devin Travis. Let's say let's go two more rounds. Oh. I want to see, or we could say let's go till Trevor Bauer gets taken because <laughs> that's an interesting one to me. But we'll go two more rounds. All right. Well, realistic. Uh, uh, I'm going to continue to add infield depth with uh, Marcus Simeon, White Sox number five prospect. Not really a shortstop. But uh, good gap power, some good speed, good on-base skills. Uh, could probably play a passable second base. 
Uh, probably better fit a third if you're looking for a, a defensive uh, soundness, but just a, a good baseball player to get at this point in the draft. Okay. I'm going to go Bruce Rondon. I'm going to go, you know, I'll, I'll get a closer. Uh, I, when we're talking about hard-throwing guys, Bruce Rondon throws every bit as hard as uh, mm-hmm. Jordana Ventura does. Now, he does it in shorter stints, but I remember his Futures game appearance two years ago, when I think it was like, he only threw like five, four pitches or whatever, and I think three of them were over 100. Um, you know, we saw what he could do in the, he was thrown into a role maybe a little earlier, and he was ready when they were talking about him as their closure coming into the season, but by the end of the year, he was, before he got hurt, he was pitching quality innings, important innings for the Tigers in a playoff race. I think that's his role kind of going into this year, is, is that he'll be a quality setup man, and I think long term, wouldn't shock anyone if he ends up closing. We just, we've been talking about closers now. You know, The shelf life of those is pretty short a lot of times. He's going to get saved at some point in his career. Whether he'll hold that for five years or one, we, we don't know. But, but now he's behind the bionic man, Joe Nathan, right? That, that is true. For so, two years? Two years. So he's got a little while to kind of mature into the role. Back okay. to you. Uh, go back to the Twins. The Twins are kind of like my Royals here. Okay. I'm going to take Eddie Rosario, second base uh, slash center field. Uh, facing a 50-game suspension to open 2014, uh, but it's a good lefty bat that profiles particularly well at, at second base, but he might not have the, the speed to be a plus center fielder. So I, I'm betting on him becoming a second baseman here and, and further buttressing my infield depth. Got the, you know, got the 50-game suspension to live with, but it was for recreational. Recreational, yeah. I, I, which sounds silly, but to me, I always recreational suspensions concern me a little less than... Uh, performance enhancing because with the performance enhancing you do wonder okay well was that why we were seeing him be this guy whereas mm-hmm. recreational I think we're all anxious to see these biogenesis guys what they're going to do this year exactly exactly hmm so back to me with the last pick of the draft I've got a couple of good options here I do Are like you thinking Bauer no it's still too early for me for him no we should talk about him in a special yeah. section we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit but no I, I'm really not and the reason I say that is is at this point, I think it's less likely that he figures it all out than that he doesn't. I mean, his stuff backed up, which, mm-hmm. and the reality of it is, is that he's been a guy who's not. It, he's hit the point where he's proven no, your way does not work. Going your own way and doing exactly what you want to do doesn't work. But from all accounts, he's not a guy who's really receptive to saying, "Okay, my way's not working. So what can I do differently?" <laughs> That won't happen until his fourth organization. Right. So, <laughs> I, I, I mean, again, it's not like I'm writing him off as a prospect, but there are guys I still like here. Um, yeah. You know. it's Well, Bauer, his secondary stuff is still pretty crisp, but he's, his fastball is not as crisp as it was in college. And, and, he's, he, and he's not having the same success pitching backward. Right. And that's that's killer. He's not, and, and he doesn't – and the reality is, is that he's become more of a – he feels like a nibbler. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't work. You have to – Get ahead before you can nibble, and you know it, it, that's not what you, especially when you're coming up in short stints. He's not, he's not coming up, and he's there. You know, here's 15 starts to figure it out. He's coming up usually. It's up to now been kind of coming up. Here you go. We need you to make a start, and it's been driving. Uh, that's know. yeah. That's the most uh, troubling thing. Is he had a 4.15 ERA in the International League with 73 walks and 120 innings. That's and a, and a 2.66 average against. So that's that's a lot of. That's, that's a lot of negative. That's a cause for concern. No, I'm going to go a different direction for a guy who's, I think, in some ways considered a disappointing prospect. I will go <laughs> one more Royal. Um, you know, you can call this the uh, the JJ Royals, apparently. Um, but I will go Bubba Starling, who, at this point, I'm taking a flyer. Um, 
late in the season, post LASIK and everything, he did show significantly improved power, a little bit better contact ability. You're, you're talking about a, a plus center fielder who can run, who, if it all comes together, and there's a lot of concerns for that, but if it all comes together, it could be a pretty special guy. Am I sure he's going to come together? Absolutely not. Absolutely not in any way, shape, or form. But we did see in the second half, uh, 269, 359, 434, second half of the season. That was a significant improvement. The funny thing is is that he always has drawn walks. He's not a guy who's just up there hacking. Mm-hmm. He just had significant contact issues. He's gone back to a little bit more of his high school stance. Um, you know, We'll see, you know, the lay six plus high school stance plus everything. Maybe it comes together a little bit, you know, again. Again, I'm not fully confident, but at this point, if you're, you're talking about a guy who, if it all comes together, could be a premium guy, uh, I'll take that chance. Yeah, one of the interesting things about him, I was looking at uh, home run splits for players. He had 13 home runs on the air. I believe 12 of those were at home. Mm-hmm. Do you, what? That's such a bizarre split. It is a bizarre split. And now, the funny thing is, is that, He's not going to get that, you know. He's now going to Wilmington. It it may be the it may reverse next year because Wilmington is is not a, a fun place to hit, as, mm-hmm. as you know. Um, I do think it's going to help him though. Bubba Starling next year is going to be on a very loaded Wilmington team. He's not going to be a star of that team, and that's not good in some ways. In that you want the guys really who want to be the star. I'll be interested to see if that actually for Bubba Starling, like he's going to be a team with. With Mondesi and probably Dozier and, you know, maybe Manaya. Almonte. And Almonte, you know, he's going to be the, he may be the fifth best prospect mm-hmm. in their prospect rankings on his own team. It's not going to be something where, oh, look, here's Bubba Starling who's being counted on to be the star of this team. He's going to be more of, he's going to go into the season more of the complimentary guy. And I'll be interested to see how that role kind of fits for him. Maybe I'm making too much of the, the mental side of the game, but... He's been the guy going back to high school. Uh, I'll be interested to see how he kind of responds to that role. Okay. So who are some other guys you thought about at that, with the last pick in the draft? Well, the last pick, um, you, you look at the – Lewis Tharp with the Twins is uh, another high upside guy. Um, mm-hmm. Danny Sant- you know, Trevor May, Danny Santana, Jorge Polanco, all those guys in the Twins I, I would not be – you know, I would not have felt bad about taking. Tigers – Oh, Robbie Ray, I'd, I'd at least think of. Um, after that, I would not have really thought of any of the rest of the Tigers guys. I mean, I think it would have been a pretty good while before I'd have taken Jake Thompson or Jonathan Crawford or Corey Evil, any of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Indians list, it's, I'm not a Tyler Naquin guy. He's number four guy on this list. I, I think he's going to be a fourth outfielder. Yeah, that's that's kind of what you're led to believe from the report here. You know, I, I, I mean... He had a nice year in the Carolina League. He had a nice year, but it's not really an impact year. And there are guys who are questioning whether he can be a center, you know an everyday center fielder. Um, Micah Johnson, you know, with the White Sox list, I really did think hard about. I, I don't. I do have significant questions about second base is not a defense position in a lot of cases, but there are a lot of questions about his hands, how well, you know, is he going to be able to be a, an everyday second baseman. Courtney Hawkins, you know, take Bubba Starling when you're taking a flyer and multiply it by two mm-hmm. um, because, you know, Courtney Hawkins had a terrible year, year last year, but, as we've said, I think, on the podcast, I know we've said elsewhere, I know I've written about it, and others have written about it here. It's hard to know what. I mean, he was overmatched in high A. He shouldn't have been in high A. He was there all year, and he hit 178 with 160 strikeouts. <laughs> uh, it's He should go back there, and we'll see You know how it's going to uh, go because he was over his, mat, his head. But 
There's legit power there. There's legit tools and some aptitude for the game. If I'm doing the math right, he hit 19 home runs and roughly 20-odd singles yes. last year. Yes. A very strange ratio. I, I felt like I got – I remember one game I saw him play last year where he hit a homer and struck out three times, and I felt like I got the complete Courtney Hawkins experience <laughs> there. You know, that was not that unusual for him. So I, I do think, like, the Central has a, uh, a number of teams that have some solid farm systems. I, I think yeah. the White Sox farm system – is probably the best it's been in, in quite a while. Yeah. Um, it's still not a – adding a Brayu makes it even – you know, we, we didn't get to talk about much here, but it it's makes uh, a significant difference for them. You see a lot of middle infielders for them. I don't know how – I think Anderson's the only one who's going to be probably plus defensively, mm-hmm. um, potentially. But that being said, they got a lot of middle infielders, so that that's always good. Um, and, you know, I, I think that the Indians list drops off pretty quick. We were just talking about, you know, Bauer, Naquin, Anderson – Paulino, it drops off. I mean, you you got a really good number, an excellent number one, a solid number two, a questionable number three, and after that it drops off. Um, Tigers list, I, I think, you know, if you're saying which the worst of these five, would you say the Tigers list? Yeah, I think Lindor and Frazier are separators for the Indians. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. I think if you give me Clint Frazier versus Devin Travis, it's Clint Frazier by a long ways, mm-hmm. and I'd rather have Lindor than Castellanos. And I don't think that the Tigers come back with any depth to really say that that it's a, it. It's a little deeper than the Indians, but not, not, not enough to overcome those top no, two. Not, I'd rather have the top two. I, I do think that the, you know, I think the Royals and the Twins, I think the Twins are the class of, of, this, of these lists because having two of the top potentially ten prospects in the game is a differentiator. Um, I, you know, you'd rather have Byron Buxton than anyone on the Royals list. Um and the reality of it is, is that you'd rather have Miguel Sano probably than anyone on the Royals list. That being said, I think the depth of both these organizations is pretty solid, and you look at the top tens. Mm-hmm. Now, I, clearly, I do. I, I was taking Royals guys over and over and over. But, well, I took every twin but Meyer. So. Yeah, so yeah. yeah I mean, we both, both of these organizations, like Jorge Polanco is number 10. I like Jorge Polanco. I think he's a very legit prospect, yep. uh, middle infielder who's shown some ability to hit. You know, he's probably going to be a second baseman, maybe more than a shortstop, but Maybe he can play short. That's a, that's a, that's a great number ten. You put that. You compare him. I'll put it this way. Put on put you on the spot. Him versus Devin Travis. Is it at least in the conversation? Yeah, it's close. I mean, the difference is Plonk was all. It's all low way. He's, right. he's moved very slowly. Whereas Travis is really shot through. That that's true. He's older. I, he's older. I was gonna say that you know it's, he's shot <laughs> through, but he also still is. Is you're talking about a. Uh, uh, but a guy who's two years younger than Travis still. Yeah, but you know Travis is top top. 15 in the minors and on base. And right. Number two in hitting. Right. But Polanco, 308, 362, 452 at low A. That was a, a very loud year for a uh, for a middle infielder. Again, for a guy who turned 20 during the season. And again, that's the guy who's, you know, Danny Santana, who's, uh, you know, again, shortstop, solid short. He was in double A. The best uh, defensive shortstop in Eastern League this year. Again, both those organizations – if you said who's got who's the best two organizations in the, in the division, I think it's those two. Yep. Um, obviously, the Twins are re, it's really good for the Twins because the Twins need a lot of help. The thing that's interesting for the Royals is is that they need some help, but this is a team that was you know in at least playoff contention last year. They've always talked about they had to have a second wave of guys if they were going to do this. Well, they do have kind of a second wave of guys. You know, you're going to see Ventura in the big leagues this year. You may see Zimmer in the big leagues this year. The other interesting question, though, is going to be if they are in contention, I think you could see one, two, or, or more of these guys maybe moving in deals, too, mm-hmm. because if they're in the middle of it, 
that's a team that, and they need to go get something in the middle of the season. They need to go get something. That's not, you know, this is not time for them to sit back and, and wait at this point. The, the future is now. And maybe Jorge Bonifacio helps them. Maybe Jorge Bonifacio helps them by being a guy who brings something back. Pair they need to bundle team. guys together to get uh, David Price so they can reunite those two in Kansas City. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> I'm going to say that's not happening. But we will be back um, next Monday, I think, we'll try to shoot for for the uh, the last of these. And we'll try to put together uh, some idea of what these teams ended up looking like, too. <laughs> Maybe let you vote on Twitter which team you like better. So, for Matt Eddy, I'm JJ Cooper. Thanks for the download. We will, we already talked about we will have a college baseball podcast coming either this week or next. So, the college baseball podcast is coming back. Aaron and uh, John limbering up their vocal cords for that. <laughs> we'll be doing, obviously, those every college Monday real soon. So, uh, for Matt, I'm JJ. Thanks for the download. We'll talk to you soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.